Chapter 1, Section 1 of Johnny Tremaine, starting on page 5. Johnny, followed by his subdued slaves, slipped down the ladder with an easy flop. To his left was Mr. Lapham's bedroom. The door was closed. Old Master did not go to work these days until after breakfast. Starting the boys off, getting things going, he left to his bustling daughter-in-law. Johnny knew the old man, whom he liked, was already up and dressed. He took this time every day to read the Bible. To his right, the only other bedroom was open. It was here Mrs. Lapham slept with her four poor fatherless girls, as she called them. The two biggest and most capable were already in the kitchen, helping their mother. Scylla was sitting on the edge of one of the unmade beds, brushing Azana's hair. It was wonderful hair, seemingly spun out of gold. It was the most wonderful thing in the whole house. Gently, Scylla brushed and brushed, her little oddly shaped face turned away, pretending she did not know that Johnny was there. He knew neither Scylla nor Izana would politely wish him the conventional good morning. He was lingering for his morning insult. Scylla never lifted her eyes as she put down her brush and very deliberately picked up a hair ribbon. The Laphams couldn't afford such luxuries, but somehow Scylla always managed to keep her little sister in hair ribbons. Very carefully, she began to tie the child's halo of pale curls. She spoke to Azana in so low a voice, it was almost a whisper. There goes that wonderful Johnny Tremaine. Izana took her cue, already so excited she was jumping up and down. Johnny worth his weight in gold, Tremaine. If you don't think he's wonderful, ask him, Izana. Oh, just how wonderful are you, Johnny? Johnny said nothing, stood there and grinned. The two youngest Laphams were always insulting him, not only about how smart he was, but how smart he thought he was. He didn't care. Every now and then they would say something that irritated him, and then together they would shout, Johnny's mad. As an apprentice, he was little more than a slave until he had served his master seven years. It's kind of like an indentured servant. Uh, actually, it, it, it is a synonym. He had no wages. The very clothes upon his back belonged to his master, but he did not, as he himself said, take much. There were only four real rooms in the Lapham house, the two bedrooms on the second floor, the kitchen, and the workshop on the first. Johnny paused in the lower entry. In the kitchen, he could see his formidable mistress bent double over the hearth. Madge, in time, would look like her mother, but at 18, she was handsome in a coarse-grained, red-faced, thick-waisted way. Dorcas was 16, built like Madge, but not so loud-voiced, nor as roughly good-natured. Poor Dorcas thirsted for elegance. She would rub flour on her face, trying to look pale, like the fashionable lady she saw on the street. She wore her clothes so tight, hoping to look ethereal, she looked apoplectic. How they all had laughed when her stays burst in the middle of meeting with a loud pop. She did not call her mother Ma, but Mother, or Respected Mother, and in her, her efforts to avoid the rough, easy speech of her associates on Hancock's Wharf, she talked, when she remembered it, in a painfully prissy, proper way. Johnny thought Madge pretty bad, and Dorcas even worse, but he was philosophical about them. He wouldn't mind having them for sisters. They certainly were good hard workers, except when Dorcas tried too hard to be elegant. 
It had already been decided that when he grew up to be a really great silversmith, as Mr. Lapham said he would, he was to marry Scylla, and together they would inherit Grandpa's silver business. Scylla was just his age. This idea seemed only mildly offensive to both of them. Johnny had no particular objections. Smart apprentices were always getting ahead by marrying into their master's families. He had been flattered when Mrs. Lapham had told him that he might marry one of her girls. Of course, Madge and Dorcas, they were fine, big, buxom girls, would make better wives. But didn't he think they were a little old for him? True, Scylla was just a mite spindly, but she was coming along fine. As Anna was so weakly, it didn't seem worth making any plans for her maturity. So it was to be Scylla. Johnny had often heard Mrs. Lapham say that Azana was hardly worth the bother she was to raise. The little girl, her beautiful brown eyes wide with interest, never seemed to mind these remarks of her mother, but they made Scylla cry. Scylla loved Azana. She was proud when people stopped her on the street and said, Is that little angel your sister? She did not mind that there were so many things Azana could not keep down, like pork gravy, mince pies, new beer. If Azana got wet, she had a cold. If a cold, a fever. First, Johnny, with a customary look sharp, got the sulky dove and his buckets headed for North Square. Then he took the key to the shop out of his pocket as though he owned it. Dusty, good and quiet as a mouse, followed him. Look sharp, Dusty, Johnny said. Get the annealing furnace going. Get to the coal house. Fetch in charcoal. You'll have to do it by yourself. I want to get this buckle mended before breakfast. Already the day's bustle had begun up and down the wharf. A man was crying fish. Sailors were heave-hoeing at their ropes. A woman was yelling that her son had fallen into the water. A parrot said distinctly, King Hancock. Johnny could smell hemp and spices, tar and salt water, the sun drying fish. He liked his wharf. He sat at his own bench before him, the innumerable tools of his trade. The tools fitted into his strong, thin hands. His hands fitted the tools. Mr. Lapham was always telling him to give God thanks, who had seen fit to make him so good an artisan, not to take it out and lording it over the other boys. That was one of the things Johnny did not let him let bother him much. Dove came back, his thick lower lips thrust out. The water had slopped over his breeches, down his legs. Mrs. Lapham doesn't want you in the kitchen? Johnny did not even look up from his buckle. No. Well, then, this spoon you finished yesterday afternoon has to be melted down and made over. You beat it to the wrong gauge. Did Mr. Lapham say twas wrong? No, but it is. It's supposed to match this spoon. Look at it. Dove looked. There was no argument. So get out a crucible. Soon as Dusty's got the furnace going, you melt it down and try again. I'd like to get you in a crucible, thought Dove, and melt you down. I'd beat you to the proper gauge two years younger than me and look at him. It was Azana who ran in to tell them that Grandpa was in his chair and breakfast was on the table. The soft brown eyes combined oddly with the flying fair hair. She did look rather like a little angel, Johnny thought just as people were always telling Scylla on the street, so graceful. She seemed to float about rather than run. No one to see her would ever guess the number of things she couldn't keep down.